You are listening to The Tish with Rabbi Michael Knopf, a Jcast Network podcast. For more information about Rabbi Michael Knopf, please visit MikeKnopf.com. For more information about other Jcast Network podcasts and blogs, please visit jcastnetwork.org. Good morning. Uh, so this morning, um, I, I brought for you what I think is a nice little story, and then uh, Drosh. Uh, there's some uh, other folks over here who uh, who may not have copies. If they have an extra hand, to hold a copy. Um, so there's a nice little uh, story, and then a uh, little Drosh by Reb Shlomo Karlabach. Um, I'm going to try to tell the story in my own words. Um, and uh, and then and then we'll look at what his uh, his interpretation of the story is, and, and hopefully have a conversation about that briefly. Um, and and this I think fits into a couple things. First, it's a story about Sukkot, so it's so it's timely, uh, and it's also I think a story about uh, about prayer, about uh, the potential power of prayer, about what it is that we pray for or should be praying for. Um, about the uh, about the efficacy of prayer. How do you know when your prayer works? How do you know when your prayer has worked too well? Um, how do you know when your prayer has worked not well enough? Uh, and uh, are any of those things possible? Right, so the story goes something like this. It's a story about uh, um, a guy named uh, Reb, Reb Zusha, um, who was a great uh, Hasidic rabbi in um, in uh, um, uh, in in. Eastern Europe, and uh, and he had a uh, very close friend and colleague named. Uh, now there's no vowels in here, and I never heard of this rabbi before, so I might be butchering his name. But uh, Reb Yevi. Okay, that's what it looks like. His name is in here. So Reb Yevi. So it's Reb Zusha and Reb, Reb Yevi. Reb Zusha goes to the sukkah of Reb Yevi, and they're in Russia somewhere, uh, and it gets very cold on Sukkot in in Russia. So they're sleeping in the sukkah, and Reb Zusha brings a whole bunch of mattresses and, and lots and lots of blankets to, uh, to use to, to sleep in the sukkah. Uh, meanwhile, so they're, they're sleeping in the sukkah, they put on all of, uh, um, all of the uh, 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 blankets and, and, and covers and things like that. Uh, after the meal, they go and lie down to sleep with all those blankets. Um, and, uh, um, and Reb Zusha... Sorry, I had the protagonist mixed up. Reb Zusha is the uh, one who has the sukkah. Reb Yevi is the one who goes to visit him with all the blankets. So Reb Zusha is li- sitting, in the, sitting in the sukkah, and instead of putting on all the blankets at night, he says, Ribono shalalam lezusha kar. Master of the world, Zusha's cold. So what happens? A great heat emanates from God and envelops the sukkah. So Zusha is wearing no blankets. He's laying on uh, the the floor, trying to be warmed by God's uh, uh, divine heat. Meanwhile, Rav Yevi is sitting there with all these blankets on him. He starts getting hot in the sukkah, so he starts taking off blankets. And then Rav Zusha says, after a little while, Ribona Shalolam, Alti Chasalai, Aval Zusha Dainkar, Master of the World. Don't be angry with me. But Zusha's still cold. He called himself Zusha. Zusha's still cold. So, all of a sudden, another divine heat emanates from heaven, heats up the sukkah. 
Zusha is getting nice and comfortable. Ravievi is just stripping off blankets left and right. And then after a few more minutes, what would you know would happen? Zusha says again, Ribona Shalolam, Hapam Be'emet Altichasalai. Right? Master of the world, now really don't be angry with me. It's impossible for you to uh, heat up the sukkah as much as Zusha needs. Right? And then, uh, Reb Shlomo says, what a great heat emanates from, uh, from heaven. It was unbelievable. And Reb Yevi uh, was, uh, um, was, had to take off all of his blankets. And he was laying on his mattress um, filled with sweat, covered with sweat. And he said to Zusha, this is the conclusion of the story, he says to Zusha, Zusha, stop, because you're going to burn up my whole sukkah. That's the story. Two guys sleeping in a sukkah with lots of blankets. One prays to God to keep on warming the sukkah. The other one takes off the blankets so much, he gets so hot that he tells the other guy to stop praying for heat in the sukkah. That's the story. And here's what Reb Shlomo says about it. Hachasidim, I'm at the very bottom of uh, page 326 here, uh, which is the flip side of the page. Hachasidim havatikim, so the old uh, Hasidim. When they would tell this story, they would cry a little bit. And they would say, Oy gevalt, Reb Zusha. Say, well, you can understand what that means. Oy gevalt, Reb Zusha. Madua hifsakta. Why did you stop? At that moment, you, the next, very next prayer you could have given to pray for more heat in the sukkah, before Rabbi Yevi told you to stop praying for heat, at that moment you could have filled the whole world with God's, with God's warmth. So with this story, just to pause right there, the story reminds me of a, of a famous story in the Talmud of uh, a guy named Choni HaMa'agel, Choni the circle drawer who uh, during a time of uh, drought in the land of Israel um, was known to have uh, great powers of, of prayer, some might say even magic powers, and he, uh, he would draw a circle and stand in it and pray to God. And so he prays to God for rain, um, and, uh, and, and little trickles of rain come out of the sky. And so he says to God, uh, God, that's not the kind of rain that I asked for. That's never going to help us grow our crops. Please send some real rain. So then what, what happens? God sends a monsoon, flood. right? A huge flood, right? Which also doesn't help. Drowns out all the crops. So, so uh, Choni prays back to God and says, um, you know, God, that's, not, that's also not the rain that I asked for. Send rain that, uh, you know, not a lot, not a little, just enough to help the crops grow. Uh, and so God uh, has the rain, uh, the, the proper rain come. Uh, but the rabbis are very uncomfortable with the, the demands that uh, uh, Choni is making on God in that story. And I... And I hear that a little bit in this story, right? There's a little bit of Rev Yevi is, is like, stop demanding things of God. Um, and Reb Zusha, on the other hand, is very comfortable, right? Uh, uh, saying, God, you know, I need to be warm. I'm still cold. Make me warm. And then there's the other element in this, which is the, the Hasidim who used to tell the story that would cry because they wanted Reb Zusha to keep on praying for warmth sure. and for heat. So the, what they hear in the story is not the, the physical warmth um, that Reb Zusha is playing for, but but I think that they're hearing uh, the possibility of continuing to pray for a spiritual. If Reb Zusha just had kept on praying a little bit more, there would have been a, a, a divine radiance that would have enveloped the whole world. And so, the question that I think that raises is: 
Well, there are, I think, several questions. One of the questions that it raises for me is, what are the ways in which um, I impede other people's prayers that could be so effective uh, that they could help transform the world? Right. So this happens uh, uh, frequently in in some synagogues, right, where someone will be praying, you know, really intensely and passionately, loudly, or whatever it is, and someone will, you know, will will shush them, right, or give them a look or something like that. And I and and so the question that the story invites is, you know, uh, what if that person, uh, what if God was hearing that person's prayer so much that uh, that uh, that it could have transformed the world? On the other hand, there's the the reality of the story, which is maybe that heat, all that heat wasn't such a good thing, or right? maybe it could have burned up the sukkah, right? So um, maybe we should stop other people mid-prayer, right, when we feel like their prayers are uh, being too effective. And here's uh, where, where he goes with this. Chaverim. So he says, I want to bless you and I want to bless myself. He reads this not as a story about uh, heating up a sukkah, but about heating up our hearts. And he says that if, uh, if there's a time where, where you want to pray that God will give a little bit of warmth in our hearts, or a little warmth in the hearts of our children, please don't stop. Keep on praying. Because it's possible that we'll merit for the heat that's in our hearts to envelop the whole world, to spill out into the whole world. In other words, um, he's reading this not as a story about heating a sukkah, he's reading it about, as a story about heating our hearts. And um, I wonder in here, what does it mean to be praying for so much heat in your hearts that you're that you feel like you need to stop yourself? And what are the reasons that we would stop ourselves for praying for that kind of heat, for that kind of warmth? Um, and uh, and and what would it mean for that warmth if we kept on praying for it to spill out into the whole world? And then Reb Shlomo says in a very Reb Shlomo way, Givalt, kechom hayom. It would be Givalt. It'd be like the heat of the day. That God comes and, and visits, like God comes and visits the sick. You know, my friends, you know, my, my, my masters, that the world is sick from an overwhelming coldness. So that's the illness, that the, that's the malady that the world faces. The world faces a malady of coldness. Sukkot humamash hazman lechamem and Sukkot is the time to warm the heart. To, to warm our souls. And we should merit to have lots and lots of guests. Right? We have that uh, custom of, of Ushpizin on Sukkot. I'll be talking about this with Sisterhood a little bit later. Custom of Ushpizin on Sukkot to welcome in guests. The, the custom, I think, originated not with, uh, with like ghost guests that we invite into the Sukkot, which is how we usually play it now, but actually real guests, right? That you open up your Sukkot to... Um, to strangers, to people who are who are wayfarers, right? and the image of Sukkot is an image of of warmth. Right? We we open up our sukkah, we open up our hearts, we open up our souls and our lives to other people who are in need of shelter and a place to eat. Right, and and, uh, and so that's how I think he's making the connection between warming our hearts and warming the sukkah, because at its core, the sukkah is is I think to Reb Shlomo uh, uh, emblematic of of our hearts. 
right? And it symbolizes the fact that we live in a, in a cold world, we go outside into the cold world, but we heat the sukkah um, with our love and with our graciousness. So please, don't be uh, uh, miserly with the time that you spend in the sukkah. Dwell in the sukkah as much as you possibly can. So bring your beds in there and sleep in it. Bring the um, bring the uh, comforters of Rabbi Yevi, Az imachom shel Rabbi Zusha, and bring the heat, bring the warmth of Rabbi Zusha. So this is the story of of uh, of the kind of warmth that uh, that is invited by prayer about the power of prayer, maybe the the danger of prayer, um, and also the, um, the the spiritual and emotional potential of Sukkot. Your turn. Let's go. Yeah, I can buy everything he says, and yet nonetheless, there was discomfort, which I don't think you're supposed to. That's not why you invite somebody into your son. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what, what about Rabbi Yevi? Yeah, that's exactly, yeah. that's right. Yeah. I mean, you know, you invite a guest, he comes, and suddenly you've made him incredibly uncomfortable <laughs> being there. For what, for good, bad, or indifferent reasons. Mm. He doesn't address that. No, he doesn't, it's, uh, and that's that's really interesting. So, right, yeah, um, um, is is Reb Zusha not being a good uh, host. good host? Right, he's not uh, really fulfilling the mitzvah of Nachsadorchin because he doesn't ask Reb Yevi, um, you know, are you too hot? Right, he says I'm too cold. And there's this, there's a sort of, and and I and I wonder, right? I think about that. Sounds uh, like my it, house with the thermostat. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> or the sanctuary. Or the sanctuary. <laughs> so I, I, but you're too literal. You're too literal on it. Yeah. You're too literal on it. This I'm, is, you know, they're, they're talking about the warmth. Uh, no, I don't think I am being too literal because there are two people in that sukkah. No, just that's one. true. One isn't experiencing the same warmth. He wants him to experience the same warmth. He's taking maybe by taking off his the garments and everything, he'll be able to experience the warmth that well, he wants God story, to give. The story says he certainly experiences the warmth. He's fitzing like crazy. <laughs> Is it you, I, I don't know. I, mean, <laughs> I think about that. If putting back in the context of prayer, I think about you know we we uh, prioritize communal prayer, right? And there's a this happens I think a lot in communal prayer where where like uh, you're, you're sort of forced to. Um, to deal with the fact that like people are praying in ways that are not necessarily conducive to your prayer, right? Uh, or or you're praying in ways potentially that are not. And there's there's prayer feels like it's supposed to be in the way I think most of us um, conceive of the when we hear the word prayer, we think of it as a, a personal, internal, maybe even selfish thing. I'm praying for things for me, um, but Jewish prayer sort of forces us out of that realm of the ego into a place where you're not just praying for the for the thing that you want right or, and in the way that you want but you you're sort of forced to um, assimilate to the way that the rest of the community is praying too we, I think you've got to distinguish traditional prayer which is if you're in lockstep if you're doing your own thing mm-hmm. as opposed to a more regimented type of I tell you we used to have a fella here and he passed away quite a while. Joy, what was his name? Uh, is his name Mr. Rowe, the one who wore the uh, red carnation? Uh, that was Mr. Berger. Mr. Berger. And Mr. Berger, before services, every day, even on Shabbos, used to go up onto the ark 
onto the bima and used to talk to God. And he didn't care who was there. He would start and he would talk to God and he would, you know, I'm not, I'm not sure if he'd ask, but just start. And anybody who was there at that time would feel that the channel was opening. You would feel differently. A channel was opening because Mr. Berger was, for, for no reason, was just asking God, listen to us. We're now going to pray to you, but, but listen to us. We want to communicate. And it was, it was just outstanding. Everybody would just listen to him and everything. And you would feel more, you know, just more kavod when you were praying and everything. Because he opened, he was trying to open it. This is interesting. Maybe Rabbi Yevi needs to open his uh, heart and his mind a little bit more because, right. like, all of a sudden there's this miracle <laughs> happening, right? And he's just worried about sweating and having all these blankets on him. Elena. What, what was he Hold on, I, you I'm said sorry. that um, you said to invite other people in the sukkah, right? But what about if they're homeless people and people that are begging or people you don't know? You never know what they're going to do. That's true, um, which is which is I think uh, part of why the tradition has uh, has gravitated more toward inviting ghost guests into the sukkah than, than real guests. But I think that they're right. But I think that uh, um, that there are many people, uh, many uh, authorities in the tradition that would say if there's a homeless person that's looking for shelter, your sukkah is is, is absolutely the place that you should invite them, so long as you can. Uh, uh, you know, relatively sure that they're uh, that they're not threatening, right? If they if they look like they're raving lunatics and might hurt you, then you can't let them in. Obviously, you have to protect yourself. But they look like you know they're just looking for a place to a warm place to sleep. You never know, though. It's true, I, but I never know with my own guests that I bring over, <laughs> <laughs> especially if they're hungry, right? That you thought were. Yeah. Well, from a, a literal point of view, why wasn't the warmth shared? Why? Weren't the blankets shared? Mm. One guy's schwitzing, mm. another guy's cold. Take right. a blanket. Why? <laughs> why? Uh, I don't understand that. Uh, so is... I, I must. Admit, I, I think I, I, I like uh, glossed over that part of the story. Rebievi um, deliberately says, um, um, "Let's see." Um, Yeah, Reb Zusha declines the blankets at the beginning of the of the story. Right, uh, Reb, Reb, he, he suggests sleeping in the sukkah. Reb Yevi says, "Great, I have all these blankets," and Reb Zusha says, "No, no, no I'll be fine." Uh-huh. He didn't know he was cold. <laughs> Maybe. Yeah. And that's a metaphor, also. Mm. By the way, I used to talk with Todd Zeff in Minneapolis. Literally, what you just read there, they'd go out in the sukkah, and they'd make kiddush, they. Eat a bite and they go back in because, especially as they get into later October, it can be freezing out there. Yeah. They certainly weren't sleeping out there. <laughs> yeah, he's warm now, that's exactly right. We'll continue the conversation uh, uh, during the course of Sukkot, but my blessing, like Reb Shlomo's, is that uh, your Sukkot uh, is one uh, of, of warmth and love, that it uh, brings warmth to your heart and your household and your family, and that enables you to bring warmth to a world that is full. Have some air.